Alhamdulillah. All right, so we'll open it up. Um, who would like to go first? There we go. And we do encourage people who don't normally speak up to speak up. My name is Jahan, and thank you so much for what you said. I feel like it's really timely um, for me personally, but maybe for all of us. I also thought that actually what she said reminded me a lot of you and your, the speech that you made in the iftar last year. Um, and I appreciated that speech that you made because I felt like it connected really well. Um, my question is that I kind of have a hard time um, juggling between kind of navigate, like feeling like we're supposed to, you know, bow down at the lowest and, and be humble in front of Allah, and then also like coming out of that and feeling like we're supposed to feel pride and confidence in other settings. So I have a hard time with the confidence part because I also want to make sure that I'm being humble in, in different settings too. So I don't know how to balance that. And I'm just wondering if you have any other thoughts. Yeah, Bismillah, in the name of God. Um, the first thing that I think of is Prophet Yusuf, uh, peace be upon him. So when he was at the point where, you know, he was in Egypt, he's finally out of the jail, jail. The Pharaoh had had the dreams, he interpreted the dreams, and it was clear that Egypt needed to store its grain in order to prepare for what had been prophesied through the Pharaoh's dreams. And Yusuf, he literally stepped up and said to give him the responsibility for that. Not arrogantly, not pridefully, it was just a statement of fact that he had the value he had the ability to take this on. And that is an example of how it is you can honor what Allah put in you and speak the truth without um, trying to make yourself seem bigger than what you are. There, there is a balance to be had. I think that if you're making some kind of claim like, I am the best of the best since the beginning of time. Okay, clearly, you know. Um, you know, if we, you know, get a little, I'm the most fabulous. You know, you know what I'm saying? There's a, you know, you feel the difference between you just saying a state of fact. I can do that. I do know how to do that. You know, this is something that I learned. Or even something that I haven't tried yet, but I've got the baseline, something for it to try. There's a difference between saying that and putting on the airs. Uh, you know, and, and maybe it's just a matter of, I mean, honestly, even role playing or thinking of a specific situation. So can you, would you be willing to give a specific situation where you felt that struggle? Yes, it does. So first would be, you were hired, right? So clearly, it's an established fact that you have a value that that particular company needs, and it does appreciate. So the questioning, um, it's, it's, you know, kind of against the reality of the situation, you have the value, you're there, you're employed. And then for the particular tasks or projects or things that you've achieved, these are statements of fact. I'm sure you have a paper trail. 
somewhere. You know, that really just lays down, okay, I was hired for this, and this is what I did, and this is what I did. In order, see the thing is, when we, um, wait, what is that saying? I forget that saying, there was a, I was thinking of a sheikh who was telling me this particular thing, um, this saying that the Arabs have, but anyway, it's something like, um, it's kind of to the sense that you kind of get used to what's always there. And if you, the one who's always there, just always in service and mute and quiet and this and that and the other, without making a point to say, hey, this is how I'm contributing value, then it is easier for you to become taken advantage of because you're not making a point to say, hey, I'm, I'm glad I was able to be of service. I'm glad that um, you know, I you know, caught this you know, in time. Um, I'm glad that I was able to pull that from the other project. And it's important for us to actually do that on the workplace so that our supervisors, the one who are you know, writing our reports and deciding on raises, hello, which impacts your family, by the way, right? Uh, it's important that they get those reminders that, yeah, she is a kick butt, X, Y, Z, whatever your title is, and I'm glad we hired her. Yeah, let's keep her. You know, you have to remind them, you know, uh, and there's, and, and doing that on statement of fact is different than making claims that are unsubstantiated. And then you said self-deprecating, putting oneself, you know, kind of putting yourself down. But again, that's, that goes against the reality of the situation. You did X, Y, Z. Everybody knows you did X, Y, Z. And yet you're the one, oh, but no, I didn't mean that. My question would be, what do you stand to gain for that? This is not a popularity contest. And if I may speak as one mother to another, you have a child now. Three, alhamdulillah, okay, awesome. You know, another one. So playing deliberately, it's not even playing small, it's like playing yourself kind of under the table. It doesn't do service to the souls who are your responsibility. Just saying. So even if emotionally there is that um, shyness about stepping out and you have that fear in front of Allah, oh my gosh, I don't want to try to be, you know, shaitani and try to make myself bigger than what I am. You know what? This affects how my employer rates my work. This affects what's going to happen when I say, you know what? I need a raise. This is what's going to happen when I see a position that's open that, you know what? Um, I could take, you know, so I've got most of the elements. It would be a growing thing for me, but you know what? I'm a good candidate, right? It affects those things. So I don't know if that helps any, but. Yeah, and uh, if I can add to that, um, one mental exercise that helps me is I kind of ask myself, okay, if this was a, a friend of mine with the same scenario, what would I tell them to say? And then it becomes crystal clear. And then you're like, I would, of course, I tell that friend to just own it and you know, not, not hide um, their qualities. And then you just step into that and follow that. And I think, um, I mean, it's a good sign though that like you're basically the reason why you feel that way is because that's your relationship with God. And so um, 
when we are submissive to God and it's very, like it comes naturally to, uh, to us to submit and to surrender, um, that's actually a good sign that your heart is in that place. So all you have to do is just make sure that when you're with people that you're not surrendering, surrendering to the same level. I just find, um, first of all, I love the circle. Um, and I, I talk too much, so I'm going to really try to just, like, limit myself. Um, <laughs> She's um, like, you don't know me. <laughs> and so I, I always find it interesting in the, when the circle time comes after the kupa and the message of the kupa, and then um, not one person, but maybe several people will say, well, how do I do that? You know, how do I uh, absorb the, the message of the kupa? Um, where to some of us it may be very obvious, but by the questions and the response, it's obvious that it's not automatic. Um, and so um, what I observe is that our deficiency as women in ourselves, not believing in ourselves, not trusting ourselves, not trusting what our abilities are, um, and we have to stop that. You know what I'm saying? If you got hired for the job, I'm gonna echo the sister, if you got hired for the job, you know, you either a damn good liar, excuse my language, <laughs> uh, or you have some skills, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, if we could just like, believe in ourselves a little bit and believe in what we can do, whether we can't or not, you know, I, I run a nonprofit, and um, I can't afford to get the skill workers that I need. So for 25 years, I've had to learn, make myself learn everything I need to, to learn in order to keep my uh, nonprofit operating. And that's scary. Mm -hmm. you know, so don't get this, oh, Priscilla's got it together. No, every little thing is a scary, frightful situation. But because it's not about me, right? And so that's what you're saying. That's what the humbleness comes from. It's not about me. It's about the so-called um, mission and vision or objective of the organization. So you have to force yourself to do something. So force yourself to believe in yourself until you start believing in yourself, you know? Force yourself to believe in what you can do even though you don't think you can do it and force yourself to do it. And then if you can't do it, ask, beg, mm -hmm. open up. You know what I'm saying? So that's my thing. Yeah, and um, on that point too, I think what really helps is having allies at work. Um, so one thing I've been doing um, with our board at the women's mosque is just opening up to them and telling them like, this is what I'm struggling with, can you help me? Um, and it's been amazing, like they've really helped me and we're helping each other, um, you know, own our positions and strengthen our voices. Um, and then actually Priscilla, as you were talking, I remembered that um, uh, Sheikh Hamza Yusuf, who's a popular um, uh, Muslim leader, uh, he has this book called Purification of the Heart. Um, and so the concept of the book is that he goes through the different uh, spiritual diseases, um, so to speak, um, of the heart and of the soul. Um, so for example, like anger, envy, things like that, right? And one of the diseases that he highlights in that book is called blameworthy modesty. So it's actually when you're modest to the point that 
you, your being modest is actually causing harm in the world. Um, and so that might be a helpful chapter to look into. I, I personally think that that is the spiritual disease that most women suffer from. And it's, it's a learned um, disease. So there are steps to get out of it, though. Did you have? Oh, okay. So we'll go here and then. No deferring. Take it. Um, this is my first time here. So I just want, are we asking the questions to the, okay. Salaam alaikum. Salaam alaikum, sisters. Um, so I just want to say thank you because it, you had a lot of definitely great um, information that you, sorry, my dog. Um, she, she's a social bird. So, um, but I would, did want to ask as far as <clears throat> a situation that I'm going through, like right now I had um, wrote down just to make dua for me because I um, signed up to go to, I don't know if you guys know Half Our Dean, uh, Baba Ali. Yeah. And so I'm going to go to Orange County. <laughs> May, March 4th to the matrimonial thing, inshallah. So, yeah. but um, I guess to be an open book, my daughter is out of wedlock. And, you know, I know that I've been listening to a lot of um, different speakers and things that lecture. And I've been a convert of almost seven years now. Mm -hmm. So it's jihad every day, every year. It's always back and forth. And my family is very liberal. Um, and it's really difficult to have that support when you're the only Muslim mm -hmm. that you know. And mm -hmm. I try to be close to the sisters of the masjids. But as we, you were just saying about being modest and being quiet, and they don't really come to you and speak about things like this, you know. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but it's really difficult to talk about things like this because, you know, it's like, you know, this is, we shouldn't talk about these things. So for me, my question for you is, um, for the jihad struggle, how would you say at this point to move on, steps to take to have the support system that you need, but also to have that confidence? I mean, I get you can do anything, you could be anything, but the fear you know, like, what if this, what if, you know, I do find a husband and he just doesn't accept what a, who I was or this or that. How do you, how do you work with those things that you had in the past to try to become a better Muslim now? So two, two questions I received. So one is about um, building, well, really sisterhood. That's one part of it. And the other part of it is uh, getting married when you have a past. Okay, so for the sisterhood, Something that I found beneficial was um, joining in on specific activities and through that activity, the, the interaction of that activity, coming to know someone. You know, it's, it feels really awkward if you're, you know, just sitting there in the masjid and you just go up to the sister, hi, alaikum, I'm so-and-so, you know, I mean, when you're in a dynamic where you're there to literally do something together, the purpose is to interact, then that completely takes away the discomfort with actually interacting because that's what you're supposed to do in the first place. And um, yes, you will probably share names, right? So I'm like, oh, I'm so-and-so. Uh, where do you live? Oh, that, So the conversation can begin from there. 
and you know perhaps you know uh, I don't know if you're new to this area or new or say you're new to the particular masjid or new to this particular activity in that masjid you know hey I'm you know basically hey I'm new around here and um, I haven't really met people yet you know um, are there any sisters groups Do you, are there any gatherings coming up is anyone having tea or something at their house like to actually so you know joining in an activity so that discomfort is taken away and then once you've clicked with somebody just even if just that one person being willing to just for that you know to say you know I'm I'm new here I haven't really made a lot of sister friends you know do you know anything that's going on where I can get to know more sisters and with that comes some kind of answer or perhaps that person knows the ringleader if you will right the alpha sister you know who kind of knows everybody and runs everything yeah you know so <laughs> yeah I said it Priscilla <laughs> um, so that that could be a way for that when it comes to marrying with a past well I'm on half our I'm there uh, and um, you know I have uh, I have passed I have four kids I've been I was married for 19 plus years um, you know, not this young, beautiful thing, you know, I'm in my 40s and, you know, all these things that I could come up with, and, and frankly, I did, uh, in terms of fears and do I really want to put myself out there and oh my God. And the thing is that um, really, you know, you can't fake the funk, you know what I mean? It, it just is what it is. Um, we have to trust in the love that Number one, there is our zelj, our compliment is out there. Okay, he created us in, in pairs. That's my phone going off. Yeah, thank you so much. It's just an alarm that just clicked stop or something like that. So, so we have that assurance, number one. And so it's really, if you believe that, then that right there can begin to give you that sense of, okay, I'm willing to go to this event. I'm willing to, you know, try to meet someone because Allah told me that my zawj is out there. You know, um, it's going to be nerve-wracking. Yeah, if you're, you're putting yourself out there. You know, you hope somebody likes you, right? Just like, you know, um, the brothers are the same. So when it comes to confidence, well, okay, another thing too, confidence. Uh, this is something I talk a lot about and I think it can apply to what you're talking about. Confidence uh, in terms of etymology, it comes from confidere. It means with loyalty, with trust. It's a way of action. And what we often tell ourselves is, I can't do X, Y, Z, so say, in this case, I can't step out until I feel confident. But confidere, it's actually, the way it really works is you step out in loyalty and trust to Allah and what he's giving you. And when you do that, then what happens is you receive the energetic boost that we call confidence. In other words, you need to act in alignment before you feel the reward of it. And then it, it kind of, it like primes the pump, you know, you do the action, 
you know, you feel the boost, you keep going, oh, that wasn't so bad. That wasn't so bad, right? And I, and I made it. I made it out of life. And I kind of saw someone maybe interesting. Okay, I can, I can do that again. And then you go. The thing is, the, I think the mistake we often make is we make, we turn our feelings into our God. I'm going to say that again because it's important. We turn our feelings into our God. I can't do this because I feel. Meanwhile, what Allah asks is that we, we live in integrity. That is not a question of feeling. You act in integrity. And that's what I'm saying. Your action, conferere, in loyalty and trust. And you get through it like, okay, you feel more confident. Then that'll support you in even doing it more. Yeah, but we be willing to take that first step. You know, don't worship your feeling or worship the fear. That's what's actually happening. And we don't realize that this is what we're doing. We're making tawaf around what's, what we're feeling, but all we're feeling is our thinking. <laughs> I'm tweeting that. That was really good. <laughs> Thank you for what you said. Um, the part that really resonated with me was when you briefly kind of went into this love is obligation and acts of service, yes. and especially as a mother myself, being just swooped into that world, mm -hmm. and it's so hard to like find time for yourself, and mm -hmm. I feel like I'm always fighting for time for myself mm -hmm. and trying to show people, like, I'm doing so much stuff, I need more time for myself. Mm -hmm. Like. You get to go to the bathroom by yourself. I never yep. do. Yep. <laughs> um, and if you can kind of expand on that and how you get past that and how you can really love yourself more, mm -hmm. um, just how, how you get past that. And then my second question was, um, as, as women who are engaged in community, I don't know, um, activism or advocacy, mm -hmm. um, I find it really hard sometimes when I try to like m put my voice out there, mm -hmm. and um, I think I'm I'm talking about one particular kind of situation. It's like somebody was um, complaining about a point, like how they're doing a lot of speaking events and there isn't enough money for them. And so I was saying, well, why don't you just refer them out? There's so many other skilled Muslim women who can do that. And I got a really passive-aggressive comment back. Mm -hmm. And I, was, I you know, assessed it as passive-aggressive. And I said, that's passive-aggressive. And I see that you want to be validated. So I say that's valid, that people aren't, there isn't enough funds out there. Um, but how do you deal with that when you're engaging and, and getting that from like other women? So it makes it really hard to put your voice out there. Because I feel like my mother-in-law and other women I try to work with, and I, when I was working as a, as a lawyer nonprofit, I was wor only working with women, and so I was always fighting for a raise with other women, <laughs> and I wasn't getting it, and so I eventually left. Um, so that's my question. Like, as women, we, we also don't fight for ourselves, and we kind of work behind the scenes a lot and don't get the credit we deserve, but how can you do that and also positively deal with our sisterhood when these are some of the issues that, you know, 
a lot of us have experienced too. Okay, so for the second question, since there are actually different questions that could come out of that, so I'm gonna go to the first one and then I may have you repeat the second one. Um, so first one, how to navigate your way through um, mothering, <laughs> mothering, making it through mothering. So what I observed for myself, and this is, you know, friends as well, what we would do, we were simply, literally determined to take our moment. There was no permission asked or sought. And we would do it in many different ways. So for myself, it would take me 20 minutes to take out the trash. Okay, this is when I had one child, um, my firstborn, she was the one that's born with the most in terms of exceptional needs. And yeah, it would take me 20 minutes to, okay, I'd get the trash and I'd go out to take it to the dumpster and I'd be out there for a while. Just breathing, <laughs> having a moment. I could get away then, right? I know uh, women who they will, you know, t they will create their Calgon moment. They'll make it happen, you know. Uh, another way I used to do it was I just in our family flow at the time. And this is when I had two children. Um, it so happened that uh, I realized that you know what? Right after I feed them. This is would be in the evening. This is a really peaceful time, right? Because my husband, he was just watching the TV. The kids were full and happy. Like, you know what? I could literally put on my shoes and go out the back door and go on a walk around the neighborhood. Of course, you know, my husband knowing that this is what I'm doing. But it's already prearranged. Don't have to say anything. Just straight up disappear, you know? And um, but something else that I would say is, making your self-care non-negotiable and not asking permission for it. So one example for myself was, uh, again, this is when I had two kids and I had, uh, I decided that I would be going to, well, I decided I would be working out. It was just a matter of when I would do it. Would it be the evening or would it be early morning? Like, you know, early morning, like fudger time. And so what I said to my spouse at the time was, I need to make, I'm gonna go to the gym. So let's figure out when is gonna be the best time for our family. Is it gonna be after dinner when everything's pretty cool? Or early morning before the kids are even up, but you're up because you know, you're already gonna start your day. Which one? Notice I didn't ask. If I could, is it okay? And can you do me a favor? Hell, those are his kids. It's not favor, right? And the answer I got was, well, you know, um, well, neither of them. I'm like, well, you choose, or I will. And um, so, yeah, he chose the evening, uh, which I thought he would. But you know, at least uh, providing some sense of choice and decision, right? Uh, so, yeah. Um, and I just share that example to, you know, there are some things that are non-negotiable and even when you are discussing them, you can frame them in a way where, yeah, you have choice, but this is going to happen. Not even but, and this is going to happen because my self-care is not your decision, it is mine. 
you either want me healthy and happy and feeling sexy or you don't, right? For the second part, um, okay, can you, okay, there was the part about the speaking, wanting to get your voice out there, right? And the incident where you said something to that effect and, and received a passive aggressive response. So in that case, what did you actually take that to mean for you? Wait, 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 hold on just a second. Oh, yeah. Go ahead and say it. For myself, that I wasn't going to take aggression from somebody okay. without standing up for myself. Mm -hmm. That's what I felt. I think that uh, strikes a chord for me mm -hmm. because I feel like so many times um, not saying something because I feel uncomfortable or I don't want to rock mm -hmm. the boat and I don't want somebody to not be my friend or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, especially w with like a lot of Muslim bashing or things mm -hmm. that happen like it's difficult to get that energy to, to respond. That's what I was thinking. I, don't, I wasn't going to take on aggression mm -hmm. by like somebody who was making a bullying statement. Mm -hmm. So still I hear two, well even in that two, two things. One, it's you want to get your voice out there. So just taking that piece of it, okay, for whatever it is that you want to put out there in the world. Um, is this person like the only doorway through which you could get your voice out into the world? No. Okay. It was just a microcosm because it was a conversation. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So even if there was kind of like a eh, uh, negative response, then it sounds like there are other avenues for you to do whatever it is that you want to do. And that's all. Okay. So that's, I just wanted to um, make sure about that. And then you're saying that how do we deal with, with static, basically? How do we deal with negative attitudes and so on that are coming our way when you're trying to contribute? Is that it? Or what, how do I end that? Okay. So the question would be, and, and that's why I asked, what, what did you make that to mean for you? Because realize, you know, each and every last one of us, what we're doing is because of us you know, how we're seeing and what our personal drama is, never mind the challenges of our nefs, of our personality, never mind what may be happening that day, never mind, never mind, never, I mean, there are so many factors happening through which their voice is even coming that has nothing to do with you, nothing to do with who you are, what you have to offer, whether you should or should not. That's their drama. They're living their reality, just like you're living yours. So, you know, you know th that doesn't mean that you're going to appreciate what they're saying or, or agree with it. Um, and yes, practicing boundaries is important, and it's great that you did. You know, you communicated however you did, unacceptable treatment for me. Awesome. Keep doing it and know that receiving negative attitudes, negative feedback, drama, static, okay. You know, didn't the law really say to us this would be um, in the beginning of a surah al-Ain Kabut, which is the 29th surah. Uh, actually, I have this right here, so I'll just read it directly. The paraphrase of it is where he's asking, uh, in general, do the believers think that they'll be, they'll be left to say we believe without being tested? You see? 
So if you believe in the law and what he's given you and what you understand your call to be, what you understand needs to be part of your worship of him, if you believe that, then understand you will be challenged. You will be. It's not if. It's when and how. And if it's somebody's funky attitude one day, then okay. You set boundaries. That's awesome. And you see that there are other ways, other avenues, other possibilities for doing whatever it is that you want to do. You will be challenged. And those challenges come from people, through people. And it's okay. that This is life. This is dunya. Hello. Hello. Assalamualaikum. Well, my name is Zara. Um, Assalamualaikum, Zara. A bit of my background. My mother um, grew up in the Nation of Islam. My grandfather converted along with Malcolm X and everyone else. Um, not everyone else, but, yeah. you know. Um, and my dad is, um, he's from Ghana, mm -hmm. super Christian. They, you know, met arguing about religion in New York. Um, <laughs> Perfect mix. <laughs> Ain't that great? But I've, now that I'm almost 25, I, I have been coming to this cusp of like, what am I doing? I'm, I went to school, I went to grad school, what am I, I'm gonna be 25, what have I actually done? Um, and I've just gotten to this place where, I don't know what it was, it was in December, and I just had this dream and it was, this is what you have to do. Mm -hmm. And um, in terms of Islam, it's like, this is what you have to do. Mm -hmm. Stop, you know, swaying back and forth, you're either in or you're out, there's no kind of like half-stepping as I call it. I'm from the South, so. I got you. Um, I'm from DC, so I, I got you. So I have found myself asking, and I still find myself asking, like, am I good enough to be Muslim? Mm. Or do I, you know, do I have, I don't look like the other Muslims that I've known in college and where I am now. I'm African-American, I'm African. I already have like a weird thing with that, balancing the two. And the questions always coming up, like, am I, am I good enough to be Muslim? And I don't know how to answer that, and I don't even know. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. the, um, and I don't know how to, or I don't know, it's just like, do I have the criteria? I wasn't you know, Muslim before, I didn't cover my hair before, I didn't do these things before. Am I good enough to be Muslim? And because I am an actor, how does it mm -hmm. affect everything else that I want to do? So Awesome. May Allah increase you in goodness for asking. Good stuff. Good stuff. So my first thought is to tell you, to offer you, am I good enough to be Muslim? I delayed my shahada for three years behind that. And in those three years, got into all kinds of <laughs> stuff. 
calling myself Get Right, right? Uh, and so I, I do understand where you're coming from. So what I can say is that if you believe that there is no entity worthy of worship except your creator, and that Muhammad is his servant and messenger, then guess what? You are Muslim. It's not about good enough, not good enough. It's about your belief. If this is your conviction, you're there. You're done. There is no, you know, nothing about that. Now, realize that Islam, it's, it's, it's not like there's a specific thing I've got to be, really. I know we buy the, you know, the ideal Muslim, you know, books like that. Uh, but really, um, Islam, it's, it's living, it's deen, and you grow. And I hope you grow until your last breath, continuing each and with, like, realize like what we're actually doing in every salah, okay? We are literally renewing our testimony of faith. We are literally saying over and 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 over every single day, day in, day out, that we are offering this formal prayer that we are Muslim. And we have to, we actually, we have to keep doing that because we are what? We are a ness. We are the creature, the being that forgets. We forget our connection to God. We forget that he's with us. We forget that we even pledge to be with him. I mean, really, we forget. And we literally live a way of life where we are commanded, come back and remind yourself. Come back and remind yourself. So you say, am I good enough to be Muslim? Understand, people who, were, who, who are white and blue-eyed and Muslim, who or who were born into a family very seriously practicing, those who are hafid, like memorizers of the Quran, and those who know barely a lick of Surah Al-Fatiha, which is the first surah, uh, first chapter of the Quran that we include in every cycle of prayer. No matter where you are in your knowledge, we are each coming back to that same point and reconfirming that yes, we are Muslim. And in each one of those points, the, the next question right after that is, okay, who am I now? Versus the last prayer period. You see what I'm saying? Everybody has to keep coming back to this. Based on what I know who I want to be. And if I want to be, then I work at being one. You know, it's never, as the sister said, whether we're good enough. God put us on this earth. And he led us to Islam. And so if he led us to Islam and we choose to, and I understand I grew up the same way, born, raised and born, nation of Islam, made a choice. I made a choice. Do I want to be Muslim or do I not want to be a Muslim? And as an adult, I made that choice. Um, and I chose to be a Muslim. I liked it better. I liked Islam, al-Islam much better than I like that Nation of Islam part. You know, now I had a great time there, don't get me wrong. But as far as the religion is concerned and learning Islam, I preferred Al-Islam much better. And I was out there in the world. I was, you know, doing things, right? I don't got no shame, no regrets, but I know who I am. 
and I know I love being a Muslim. So that's what you have to ask yourself. Do I want to be a Muslim? And then work to be the best that you can be. Exactly.